Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca, to figure out how we can best serve you. Um, I wanted to talk today about uh, the hand of God. Um, now, is anyone here, just, just kind of, just kind of as, as an, an indication, who, who really believe that the hand of God is on their lives? If you're there and you're saying, yes, I think I have the hand of God in my life, that's, that's great. But let me kind of say that sometimes that's not a great thing, if you consider it for a second. Like, there's, there's that whole term, the hand of God, it's kind of one of the books in our Christianese, on our Christianese dictionary, is it not? Whenever I hear hand of God, if you're sitting beside someone at the bus stop and I say, I'm just so glad I've got the hand of God in my life, they'll look at you and they'll maybe go to the next bench. <laughs> right? It's true. It's part of our vocabulary. We kind of think of it as a good thing. And sometimes I kind of ask myself, isn't that kind of interesting when you consider the fact that God doesn't have hands? Does he? God is spirit. He doesn't have hands. But throughout Scripture, it talks about um, attributing to God Human, human entities, just to kind of get us to understand. The term for it is called anthropomorphism. How do you know that? Well, in Bible college, it was on my exam. And for some reason, it was one of those words that I had to memorize so much that I still kind of have it in the back of my head somewhere, right? And when you consider the idea of hands, even in the English, it is quite amazing how often and how differently we use the term hands. If I say to you, hey, folks, all hands on deck. Don't be expecting a mop. Because it has really not a lot to do with it. It has to do with the fact that we're up against a situation and we need everybody involved right away. If we have something at hand, it's something which is nearby. If I'm doing something hand in hand with someone, I have a close association. If I say someone is handy, hopefully it means that you're very good at something. Right? That's an important thing. If I give a backhanded comment, that means I'm giving a comment that is explicitly or implicitly denig denigrating the recipient. If you're in good hands, you're in a secure position. If you bite the hand that feeds you, then you attack someone who has been helpful to you. To be on hand means you need to be there at that time. What about this one? The idle hands are the devil's workshop. What's with that? Basically means if you have too much time in your hands, then sometimes you can get yourself in trouble. To experience something firsthand means that you were there. You were there directly seeing what was happening. To force someone's hand means that you maneuver someone so that they will reveal their intentions. To give someone a free hand is to allow them autonomy. To gain the upper hand is to become dominant or victorious. To get one's hands dirty means that I'm asked to do something which isn't very planning, very, very pleasant, either that or I'm doing something that might be a little bit illegal. To go hand in glove means that you're in close agreement. To hand it to someone, hey, I hand it to you, you acknowledge the accomplish accomplishment, don't you? To have one's hands full means that you're so busy you can't take on other activities. To be heavy-handed means you're kind of being oppressive. To rule with an iron hand or an iron fist means that you're having authoritative behavior. To know something like the back of your hand. I know that place like the back of my... 
what's that? I've never noticed that before. It's interesting. When the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, closely associated people many times don't know what each other is doing. Could you lend me a hand? No, they're attached. No, that means if you can help me. To live from hand to mouth, the same as the person who lives paycheck to paycheck, they're kind of living at a place where there's no cushion for comfort. When something gets out of hand, it's out of control. On the other hand, means alternatively. To overplay one's hand is to be overconfident. To play into someone else's hand means that you're being manipulated. Can I have a show of hands? <laughs> to take the law into your own hands means that you become a vigilante. And to wash one's hands of something means that you've decided that I no longer want to be considered responsible for something I have no control over. 30 euphemisms. Maybe 31, depending if you're counting or not. And I don't know if I've gotten all of them. It can go on and on. And if I told you that I was praying that the hand of the Lord was upon you, you may be happy usually, but... Maybe if you take a look at the context, you might be angry. So what happened was about seven years ago. I'm not too sure what was taking place, but I kind of came, became interested in this whole thought of having the hand of God. And so as I got my study tools out, I found out that there were at least 50 instances in Scripture that alluded to or directly said that God's hand was involved. And as I looked at them, I became surprised at how the hand of God is used in so many different ways. Elijah, on at least six occasions, talks about the hand of God being on his life. Ezra, the scribe who, who helped with the rebuilding of the temple, talked about the favorable hand of God. That he was doing the right thing, so God was with him. But there are other five instances where the hand of God is used in a different context. And David, if you look at the Psalms, you will see the term hand of God. But every time you hear the word hand of God in the Psalms, you got to take a look. Because sometimes when it talks about it, he's talking about the protection of God. Other times, he's talking about the judgment of God. And sometimes, he's talking about the delivering hand of God. And sometimes, he's talking about the disciplining hand of God. Isaiah still. The outstretched hand of God is where you hear from Isaiah. And many times when Isaiah is talking about the hand of God, he's talking about the, the hand of God being against Israel. Yet at the same time, there's times where he's talking about being the healing hand of God. It's all interesting. Job, when it talks about the hand of God, talks about someone, a God, who is in control. That one kind of makes sense to me, doesn't it? But it makes me ask a lot of questions. And as I was praying, I come to the realization that we always want the hand of God on our lives. But sometimes the hand of God will be serving a different purpose. So let's talk about that. It's good to understand the hands of God, particularly if you're going through a difficult time, and particularly if you're trying to figure things out. Because the hand of God usually talks about the fact that not only that God works through you, but how God works through you. And it talks about God's will for your life. It talks about the fact that there's a destiny that God is wanting you to get to, and he's leading you to that destiny. And it talks about how God seeks to deliver us. There is the delivering hand of God. But there's also the powerful hand of God, that as you're working and as you're serving him, that he gives you power for the moment. It's talking about salvation. 
right from the time you said yes to Jesus, the hand of God was involved. And it shows that if you want to have the favorable hand of God, you need to be actively seeking to be in the middle of God's will and not in the process of cajoling God to be in the middle of your will. Does that not make sense? So it's, it's kind of an interesting topic, particularly if you're going through a difficult time, particularly if you are sitting here today and you can't figure things out, or you're going through a difficult time, or perhaps you are in bondage to sin, or perhaps if you are looking for a miracle and you wish to be used of God, and you're just trying to figure things out. If you read John chapter 3.16, the most popular passage in Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't have the term hand in it, but it's talking about the hand of God moving in our lives. Last week we celebrated Easter, which is, was the fact that God had a part in the process of reaching out to us. So what I wanted to do, is I wanted to give you just a portion of the study that I did seven years ago on the hand of God. Because at first I wanted to show what exactly is the whole process in getting to know God and how the hand of God is involved with that. And the reason I did that is because, again, there's so many new people that come in and out of church, and, and many times there's those of you who are visiting us online, and I'm not too sure where you're from. I don't know where you stand in terms of your walk. So I thought I would just start at the beginning. And talk about how the hand of God is used in the process of us getting to know God. The first thing is this. When it talks about the hand of God, one thing we need to consider is what is called the merciful hand of God. And there's a number of passages which talk about the fact that God is kind and he is loving to us and he's merciful to us. In, in Psalm chapter um, 16, verses 11, where it talks about the fullness of, go the fullness of God. It says, in your right hand... There are pleasures forever. Isaiah 49 verse 16 basically says, I have inscribed on you the palms, have you inscribed on you the palms of my hand. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 verses 10, that your hand might be with me. You know what that one is? That's the prayer of Jabez. Remember the prayer of Jabez, those of you who kind of have been in church for the last couple of years, a number of, a decade or two ago, the book, a famous book, seemed to sell all these copies about the prayer of Jabez and how, and how, God, Jabez wanted God to change his trajectory. And he says, listen, I want you to enlarge my territory. And it says that your hand will be with me. God, show me some kind of mercy. Uh, Romans 10, 21 talks about how God has an outstretched hands to a, an obstinate and disobedient people. And so when you hear about the hand of God, mercy's got to be one of the things that we talk about, one of the things that we consider. Now, for those of you who don't know, there's kind of a twin word with mercy, which is called grace, and, and there's a difference between the two. Mercy is the fact that God in his kindness and his love doesn't give us what we deserve. What we deserve to happen to us doesn't happen. Grace, on the other hand, is the fact that God in his love gives us what we don't deserve. Now, you might sit here and think, well, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? But that's the truth. What we actually deserve, we don't get. And the thing that we don't have any business getting, we get. And that's based upon the fact that there's a God who loves us and cares for us. Despite the fact of all your imperfection, despite the fact that you have done bad things, that you've turned the wrong way, there's things that you can't fix. And to add to that, in the book of Ecclesiastes, 
it says that the mercies of God are new every morning. That mercy is not a one-time thing. It continually is extended to us. Peter says it this way, that God is long-suffering to us. That God is patient in the process of us getting to that point. And the number one step to, to coming to God and knowing God is the realization that he actually, actually loves you. And I realize when I say that, there are many people who have trouble processing that. Things have happened in your life. Things have been said to you. Things have been ingrained in your life where you can't even conceive the thought that there is someone who actually loves you despite all the things that have happened. Along with the merciful hand of God, there is another side. And I basically called that the menacing hand of God. That not only is God good, he is also at the point where there is this thing which is called sin that he can't be in the same presence of. That God loves us, but he hates sin. And he hates what sin does to us. And not only that, he can't even be in the same presence of sin and ultimately judges the sin in our lives. Because sin will ultimately be the thing that causes us to be in a lost eternity in hell without God. It's an important thing. It may surprise you. The number of times that the hand of God is used in reference to judgment. Exodus chapter 3 verse 20. I'm going to stretch out my hand to strike Egypt. Later on in, in Exodus, he basically says this. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And we are comfortable with that. Until we come to Psalm 38, verse 2. And what it says in Psalm 38, verse 2 is, is that, God, the arrows that you have put in me have sunk in deeply. And then it goes on and says, and your hand has pressed down on me. Now, it's okay when God is putting his hand against the enemy. What, what happens when you seem to be the target? When God is somehow pressing in on you. It's an important thing to understand. It doesn't sound so merciful, to, does it? But the thing is, I'm always amazed at the fact that this is a reality in Scripture that sometimes we don't see. Particularly in the words of Jesus. Now, I haven't done a formal study of that, but I've always heard the, the term which is this. That Jesus talked about hell far more than he talked about heaven. As I take a look and think about the, the Gospels, I know that there are a number of things that Jesus said about hell. And the things that he does say about hell are pretty extreme. Listen, if your hand offends you, cut it off. You're better off going to heaven with one hand than going with the whole body into hell. Well, that's pretty intense. He does it with plucking out your eye. talks about your feet as well. He goes on and talks about the fact that there are people, if you're just not showing forgiveness, you need to be aware of your soul. And Jesus talks about it greatly, a huge amount. And, and that's where perhaps we get the thought that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. For every person who has trouble believing that there is a God of love that loves you no matter what, I imagine that there would be two people who can't grasp the thought that a good God will judge them for their sin. We have a harder time believing this one. And there's certain philosophies around us. The one is perhaps the pan theory that, you know, it'll all pan out. God is kind of a good guy. It'll pan out. Or, or the, the scale theory, which means that, okay, I've done this many good things, 
and I've done this many bad things, and so the good will somehow outweigh the bad. Or perhaps there's the thing which talks about the, um, the benevolence theory, the love thought, the thought, that, the thought that if you're a card player and you're into what's at Euchre or, or wherever it is, that the love card will trump the judgment card. But Scripture doesn't say that at all. It talks about the fact that there is the fact that there's a God. The only truly way that you come to Jesus is not by understanding the love of God. The way that you come to Jesus is by, is by understanding the judgment of God. It's only then that you realize that you desperately need God, that your situation is bleak without him. There's a thing that I, I had mentioned. I don't know if it's on the next slide or not. I'm hoping that I did put it on there. Yeah. You never understand the mercy of God until you realize you are at his mercy. And those are the times when you actually get to know God. I remember hearing the story of a, an evangelist that was traveling, and he found himself in Australia, and, and the host with, who was there was talking to him. They're walking on the beach, and, and, uh, and so he says, I'm going to take a dip, takes off his shirt to go for a dip. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing, mate? Okay, there's my Australian accent. You will not hear any more of the Australian accent. Anyways. He says, I'm going for a swim. He says, you not read the sign? Beware, sharks. So the sign said, clear, it's probably a picture of a, of a, a big mouse chomping down on somebody. I'm not too sure exactly what it looked like. He says, oh, don't be ridiculous. He says, listen, over the last year, 200 Australian people have been eaten by sharks. Now you have to, you have to take a look at that sign and ask yourself if that sign is there just to ruin your fun or if it's put there in some form of love and care for you so that you don't harm yourself. And hell is the same thing. You need to ask yourself if, it, if the times that Jesus spoke about hell, it wasn't his acts of love saying, this is a real place that I don't want you to go to. And Jesus, Jesus talked about hell because he didn't want you to go there. And Jesus died on a cross so that you don't go there. And the only way that you can get to hell is trample over the cross of Christ. So it's an important thing to understand what is called the mercy of God and the hand of God in mercy, but the hand of God in the fact that he is holy as well. Well, then there's a third one. There's another term which is talking about the, the, uh, the hand of God, and it is the hand of the moving God, that God moves. And there's a number of passages which talk about that. Psalm 16 verse 11 talked about that. Uh, we had already talked about that, but there are other passages as well. Acts 4, verse 30 says, you extend your hand to heal. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 6, it says, I know that the Lord has his anointed. He will answer him in his holy heaven with saving strength of his right hand. Isaiah chapter 59 says this. It says, behold, the Lord's hand is not too short to save. Acts 11, verse 21, and the Lord's hand was with them and a number of people got saved. So you see the, past, the fact that, that God, in his love, pursues us. Although the fact that there is a God who is merciful and loving to us, although the fact that there's a menacing God, God pursues you. He does everything he can to keep you from making the wrong stakes. He is in the movement of you moving. He's a, he's a recipient. Have you ever been a recipient to the maintaining of the moving hand of God? That God has somehow visited you. That somehow God has intervened in your life 
so that you will maintain or you will take a step towards God. Many of us who are here are here because God has moved. The hand of God has led you to this point where you've decided to accept Jesus. I remember a friend of mine says, I was at the very end. I was done with God. There's so many terrible things that have happened that I couldn't understand. And I remember saying to myself, and I was in a car. He says, God, unless you give me a sign, I don't want anything to do with you. And he turns to the right, and there's a filthy truck, absolutely filthy truck. And on the back, someone had written on his finger, did you know that God loves you? <laughs> so it said that there are miracles that have somehow taken in that taken you, that caused you to realize that there's a God who loves you and cares for you. Maybe it was a service that you went to. Maybe it was a circumstance which had happened. Maybe it was something that had taken place where God had somehow revealed to you that despite the fact that you're going through what you're doing, God is maintaining a relationship with you. It was in 1978 that two psychologists came up with the, with this, the term which is called the imposter syndrome. Maybe you've heard of the imposter syndrome. It's usually for people who achieve a lot, people who are kind of in high positions. And what happens with those who are, are suffering from the imposter syndrome is this, is that even though they're at a high level and they're known for their excellence, there's a side inside of them that says, I'm not really the person who was there. The, the person that everyone sees up there, that's not really me. If they really knew all the stuff that was going on in my life and the times where I'm not so sure and the times that I'm not confident, confident and the times that I don't have the answers, then, then, then a lot of terrible things would happen and they live with the anxiety that they'll be found out, that they're not as good as what people think that they are. And I thought of that term and I realized the thought that almost every person who loves Jesus probably goes through that time. Yeah, here I am worshiping the Lord. Yeah, I know all the Bible verses and it's all these wonderful things. And when people take a look at me in church and see the warm, shiny face and the smile on my hand or, or my, the smile on my face, they don't realize that there's all this garbage. There's these things that I suffer with. There's these things that somehow seem to hang on to my life. And if I could get rid of them, I can, but I won't. But if everybody knew the real me, they would be shocked. And herein lies the fact that there's a God who is continually moving to maintain you, to draw you close to him, to somehow get you to that place. If you take a look at religious terms, and one that we don't hear many times in the Pentecostal assemblies and, and Pentecostal churches is the term stigmata. To those of you who know the term stigmata, it basically is is the, the prints, the nail prints that are in Christ's hands. And, and what they basically are is they are a physical testimony to the fact that there is a God that loved you and pursued you to the point where you would know him. So there is the, the merciful hand of God, the menacing hand of God, and the moving hand of God in salvation. And then from there, there's one more. Again, this isn't exhaustive in the whole study I did. But there's another one which is called the maintaining hand of God. It talks about the fact that once you have arrived in your faith, there are those times where God continues to work on you. In, in Psalm 18 verse 35 says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me. 
The really good one I find is Psalm verses 31, verse um, 15. Basically, it says, God, your times are in my hand. You notice it doesn't say, it says, my, it doesn't say my times. It talks about my times. That the episodes that you go through, the times when you are high, he's in your hands. But the times when you are low, he is in your hands. In the times when you feel his presence, he is there, his hand is with you. And the times when you don't feel his presence, he is there. He's maintaining you. He is seeking you out. He is doing everything you can. Have you ever been the recipient of the maintaining hands of God? Does that mean I live a perfect life? No. It just means the fact that God is trying to do something in your life. And he creates anointed coincidences. He allows the presence of God to move deeply in your life. And I say all that to say this. That there is a loving God who is wanting the best for you. And you are here, probably all of us are here because of the hand of God. You said yes to him a number of years ago. You came to the realization that there was sin in your life and that your life was falling apart. Either that or you just realized that you needed God in your life. Either that or you haven't come to that point. And for some reason you find yourself here or for some reason you find yourself listening online and God is giving you another opportunity to know him. Or maybe you are here and everything you are going through and everything that you are experiencing, you're seeing the hand of God and he has created you and, and everything that you're going through isn't because maybe God started it, but he has allowed it to happen in your life. And you're just saying, God, what is this all about? And so the question I leave you with is this. Are you here? Do you need the hand of God in your life today? Are you here and saying, you know what? I just need to see his hand in my life. And we're at a point where we're in a room of a few hundred people. But in the process, sometimes God begins to speak to us personally. And you're going through such a difficult time and you're trying to figure out. And for some reason, this sermon is resonating with you. And if you're here and you're saying, I need to have the hand of God in my life. Can I ask you this question? Can we pray together? If I provided an opportunity for you to be able to come by after the service or at the end of the service and said, if you're needing God's hand in your life, can I pray for you? Can I, can I allow an opportunity for God to answer that prayer for you? Would you take that opportunity? Would you allow a time for God to heal you? Would you allow a time for God to intervene in your life? So it's kind of simple. There's other things having to do with the hand of God, but the most important part of the hand of God is him wanting and desiring to know you. And I just don't get God. I don't get God because I'm certainly not worthy. And you're certainly not worthy. But in that process, he still desires to do great things for you. Dear Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name. 
as I was preparing this sermon, I thought, well, this is kind of elementary. But sometimes we need to come to the basic things. Sometimes life gets so difficult, we can't see the way. Sometimes things get cloudy. And sometimes we get so confused in some of the things that are taking place in our lives that we need to come back to the simple truth that we need to see the hand of God in our lives. And Lord, I realize that this might be a message for some people just by way of remembrance. Yes, I know that this is true. This is the plan of salvation. And, and, and I've heard this since I was a kid. But Lord, also there's that thought that there is a hunger I see growing in people. And with that hunger comes a thought, I just really need to see God intervene in my life. I need to see God heal me. I need to see God move in my life. I need to experience again the closeness to God. Or I'm just here and, 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 and I need to see God move, deliver, do a powerful thing in my life. And for those people who are here today, and maybe even that person or those people who are listening who says, I'm just at point one. I don't even know if I know Jesus. And, and I want that. I want the hand of God in my life. Whatever the situation, whatever the category, Lord, and it's all between ourselves and, and him, I pray, God, that people will not leave empty-handed. <laughs> Excuse the pun. But that, God, you will somehow do something supernatural at these altars today. I pray, God, that we will begin to see you move again. And that, God, you will heal us, oh God, and that you will heal our land. So I ask and appeal to you right now, God, to do something miraculous in lives. And we'll give you the thanks and praise because you are so worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand at this time? Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.